Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This week, we'll be joined by Kelly Capick, teacher at Covenant College, to talk about the benefits and struggles of Christian college. We'll hear about the transition from the home to college to young adult life and mull through the many challenges students face. And we'll get the inside scoop from a recent Covenant grad. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. Uh, we're very privileged to have today in our very expensive new studios in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, an old friend, Professor Kelly Capick. Kelly is Professor of Theological Studies at Covenant College on Lookout Mountain in Tennessee. Georgia, but Georgia close. on the Sorry. border. <laughs> Why did I think it was Tennessee? It's, it's actually, Lookout Mountain has like Three miles in Tennessee, oh, okay, and then it's Georgia. It's right, okay. right there by the border. Well, I'm very sorry that I insulted either Georgia or Tennessee. There, <laughs> e- everyone's mad. But that's, fine. <laughs> that's how it usually goes. Anyway, Kelly's at Covenant College. Great to have him with us today, and we want to talk about the topic of Christians in higher education challenges that are faced both spiritually, perhaps, and in a more broad cultural framework that we now find ourselves uh, in North America. So, Kelly, perhaps you'd like to just tell us a little bit about your. Teaching at Covenant, what you find particularly satisfying, what what particular challenges you're facing at this specific moment in time. Sure. It's great to be here. I've been at Covenant since 2001, um, and I, I love being at Covenant. Uh, colleagues are fantastic, but part of what makes a place like Covenant uh, an interesting place to be is Covenant is on the border between Tennessee and Georgia. A lot of parents think, I want to send my kids to University of Georgia, University of Alabama, mostly because they have good football teams. <laughs> and, and, and so one of the conversations that often happens and that I've kind of learned through this is to think through, there are certain benefits if you send your kids to a place like that, but why a place like Covenant? And, and, and maybe this is a way of helping you understand what we do. I find that students that go to a situation like that either think, well, this is a secular university, so there's, I can't trust my professors at all. They don't love God. And so they go for, to college basically not willing to learn from professors, which undermines the whole educational endeavor because mm-hmm. they'll discount whatever the biologist says, the philosopher says, often when they shouldn't. So they're undermining education. Or, on the other hand, they'll go, they don't have any training, and they'll buy into everything. So basically, a place like Covenant, what what I love about what we do is there's not any question that's not going to be asked there. It's just the professors are standing there, not necessarily with answers, but still believing and wrestling. So it's that kind of context. And, And I find that I love being in an interdisciplinary environment. As a theologian, it keeps me honest. I think theologians get separated from other specialists. So all of a sudden, we talk about economics as if we know what we're talking about. And that, you know, three... Three chairs down from me is someone with a PhD from Yale says, that's interesting, Kelly, but you don't know what you're talking about. Just, just shut up. So anyways, it's, it's great to be there. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges to the faith of these students coming in from their you know, households where they've been pretty protected and then now are moving into a more independent realm as college students? Yeah, it's interesting. I, 
there, you definitely have some students that have been protected, and uh, this can be a shock to their system. But I think some of that is also a, a misunderstanding. The reality is these students, particularly you have internet and everything else, they, they pretty much know everything. That idea of shelter is harder and harder to buy into. So students genuinely really struggle with what does their faith, faith mean about sexuality? What does their faith mean about politics? Um, if they've just been in a home that has Fox News on for five hours a night, and now all of a sudden they're interacting with ideas that are a little more complex than that, mm-hmm. that raises questions. Right. Um, anyway, stuff like that. But there, there's, there's nothing that students at Covenant aren't struggling with. So what, what ways do you see them maturing then? Maybe yeah. is a better question. And uh, just coming from their profession of faith and, and what they've learned from their home church and their parents and now living that out yeah. as they're maturing and learning more in higher education. Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the delights, and these are all generalizations, but one of the delights is to watch the difference between a freshman and a senior. Yeah. Where the freshman is overwhelmed, has pat answers, maybe doesn't take their faith very seriously. And then often we'll get these seniors that are just really thoughtful, pretty nuanced, thinking about theological, cultural, historical issues. And that's, that's a pretty amazing thing to watch. And it, it, it's interesting, I, I don't teach freshmen anymore, but one of those things you have to remind yourself when you're dealing with freshmen is they're 18. Mm-hmm. Just right. be patient, let them just start to learn. They've never even heard of sociology, you know, or it, and all of a sudden their world gets a lot more complicated, but then hopefully a lot more beautiful in the end. So mm-hmm. what are some of the most common issues that you deal with at Covenant as far as um, uh, things that students are wrestling with um, in regards to their faith and their relationship with Christ? It, it's, it's a Christian university. Now we know that that's not always right. as clear cut. Um, I went to a Christian university, so it, it's more complex than just that. But, but what do you observe as someone who teaches as well as invests in students? Are, are some of the common struggles that you're seeing among? Well, it's fascinating, and and we see this at Covenant, and the literature shows that it's it's happening pretty much in this age group across the board, Christian, non-Christian, and that is these students are very fragile. There's lots of questions. There's there's a much higher rate of kind of uh, mental anxiety. You have um, we we deal with self harming. Yeah. Uh, we deal with eating disorders. We deal with people wrestling with all kinds of things. And the debate is still open. What is fostering that? Part of it. Some of the thought is that helicopter parenting has created an environment where all of a sudden they're on their own. And, and that's creating all kinds of anxiety. And part of what's great is in the Christian environment, it's like, yep, you have to own your faith now. And do you trust Christ? Do you, do you cry out to Christ? Or is it only crying out to mom or dad or some of that? So, but those are very real issues that culturally are just massive mm-hmm. at the 18 to 22-year-olds. I mean, we are, we are finding anxiety levels very high. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Do, do, do you know what to attribute that to? Are you, do you see some common trends? I mean, I well, that, and that's the helicopter. Yeah, thing, that's the, that's the debate. I mean, part of it is is wondering. One of the questions is: far more people go to college nowadays than ever did a hundred years ago. You know, in, in 
what was it, 1900 in Britain, I think it was like five to eight percent of the population went to the university. You went to university, and now it's way higher than that. So one of the questions is, is it just that we're dealing with a broader portion of the population? Uh, are there environmental factors? Uh, stuff like that. I, I don't have a great answer. Yeah. What about some of the uh, political issues that are coming your way, Kelly? I mean, clearly, the the gay marriage issue, on one level, it's it's got huge cultural implications, but for guys like us who are working in institutions of higher education, it would appear to have a more immediate, represent a more immediate threat. More for you, I suspect, as a liberal arts college than for uh, myself as a seminary professor, although, of course, you are linked to a denomination, the PCA, which may provide some legal cover in a way that Westminster is independent. Do you have any thoughts or reflections on the nightmare scenarios that could could open up in the very near future. Yes, I mean, places like Covenant are really, our board of trustees is trying to think through um, those kind of political and legal issues. Yeah. Um, but in terms of our students, these, these, are real, these are real concerns. I have, we can live in, and imagine these aren't the case, but I deal with students who will come and talk to me and they're dealing very... Yeah real with same they're dealing with same-sex attraction and um and part of the debate is is there an increase in that is it just that people have grown more comfortable with that and i don't think the church has always done a, a great job thinking through that um so you do have the legal issues and and that's above my pay grade but i do know pastorally i would like us to think through this theologically better and part of our difficulty is we haven't done great thinking about a theology of the body. We haven't done great thinking about singles. We almost always talk about marriage and kind of the cult of marriage. And I'm married, love marriage, but we do singles a great disservice. When we talk about we're a family-friendly, family-focused right. church, that sounds great. That's a disaster when you're 40 and single. Right. So, Interesting question here, then, that puts you... I was chatting to somebody who teaches another Christian liberal arts college recently, and I raised the issue with him of the the complete lack of a deep tradition of Protestant social teaching and ethical teaching. And he commented to me that that was one of the reasons why he was seeing numbers of his students, intelligent students, converting to Roman Catholicism. Have you noticed anything like that in your experience, that the kind of in some, you don't have to go to gay marriage. You could go to fertility issues, issues yep. of fertility treatment, those kind of things. Uh, Protestantism sometimes struggles to even provide a clear framework for thinking about those. Uh, no, absolutely. Catholicism, we may disagree with the framework, but yeah. at least it's there and it's clear. No, we, we, do, we do find some of that. I, I, there doesn't seem to be, at a, a place like Covenant, mass exodus. But in some ways, because Covenant, though it's a Presbyterian school, we have lo- lots of non-Presbyterians. And I see it all the time, evangelicals from a broad evangelical background all of a sudden start to discover the beauty of tradition mm-hmm. and start to think, they're not, this is not 1960s. They actually, if I say, well, Augustine said this, they think, right. wow, that, that matters. That's great. I don't have to make an argument right. for why mm-hmm. they need to yeah. listen to Augustine. So I do think, and, and kind of the evangelical make it up every week liturgy mm-hmm. and ethic is so flimsy, and they can sense whether it's their parents or their pastors. If it's not more deeply rooted, they don't have to read Foucault and Derrida to sense, you know, you can make the Bible say just about anything. So they need something a bit 
uh, something more rooted to help them think, okay, this is why we might think this. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I do think whether they go Eastern Orthodox or Roman Catholic, they're staying Protestant. You find them wanting tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, been, been one of the great failures of evangelicalism is that um, people ended up with the idea that the, the only place to find um, historical rootedness and reverence was either in an Eastern Orthodox church or, or a Roman Catholic church yep. because they'd never been taught in their church growthy seeker-sensitive evangelical church, that there's actually a wonderful uh, tradition in the Protestant right. tradition. Uh, there's a wonderful tradition of, of, of liturgy. There's a wonderful tradition of spirituality that we yep. get, for, for instance, from the Puritans. I was never taught any of those yep. things as a young evangelical. Well, and, and you find, again, where when evangelicals kind of have this romanticized, sappy spirituality where they're supposed to listen to Christian mu- music yeah. and kind of be off on a side. It doesn't work. And so, you know, for example, the classic Protestant view of vocation mm. is a big yeah. deal yes. when 22-year-olds really buy into the fact, mm. I can be an artist or I can be a business person. I can do this to the glory of God without being embarrassed. Mm. That still is a liberating message. And it's the Protestant tradition yeah. that gave them that. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was Protestant mm. tradition. And, and you can sense even with the new monasticism... It, if you don't understand that, going to the medieval, if you're serious about spirituality, you do have to go to the monastery. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Do you find, um, we've been talking about this a little bit during the day today, do you find that your students are struggling, when, or maybe this is a really healthy thing for them, when they're leaving the home and coming into college, now they're responsible to find a church family? And are you finding a lot of the students doing that, finding church going there regularly, being a part of it, participating in that. Yeah, you do You do have, Covenant is a, a Presbyterian denominational school. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of churches in our area that feed into it. But we have a lot of students who don't come from that tradition, go to other churches. But the healthiest of those churches really do buy into these students are part, Not they're not a burden they, mm-hmm. they bring to the life. And both within the school and outside of the school, there's a pretty strong emphasis on the local church. And so actually one of the things that Covenant will advertise is graduates of Covenant who will report, um, it's over 95% or something that are still five years later in a local church oh, wow. active, wow. which that's is just wonderful. phenomenal. Is. Yeah. So even that if that's self-reporting and it's later than that, <laughs> yeah. or if it's lower than that, it's still incredibly high. Right. So. No, the, the local church is pretty highly valued there. Yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah, I was wondering, in, in dealing with parents, it's obviously a, a huge um, moment for parents when they, when they send their kid off uh, to college, and it's stressful and it's scary. Talking out of personal experience. <laughs> Particularly if it's a daughter it's involved. It's an awful thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what would you... What would be a handful of things that you would say, moms and dads, here's the best things you can do to equip your kids, knowing that you can't control everything, yeah. but here's a couple of things that would be the best things that you yeah, could do for them. Yeah, that's a great, what that's a great comment. Seat. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the worst thing you can do is wait till they're leaving to say, okay, right. you're on your own. Right. It, it really does have to be a gradual, you know, at least through high school, you are more and more entrusting them not just to do their homework on their own spend money responsibly yeah (laughs) but 
to pray, yeah. you know, to, to, to do these kind of practices. And that's a, that's a big deal. And it's amazing. I mean, we say the right things, but it's amazing how many families, despite what they've said, have taught their children the most important thing is athletics. Right. Yeah. The most important thing is this or that. And, and the church doesn't fare well in that. Right. And then, so I, I do think kind of talking to your teenagers and treating them as if they're adults even though they're not but but the whole the idea of adolescence is i mean you know you can talk talk about that yeah i mean it's it is an invention yeah it's a new category it is in fact just recently a sociologist was talking about it used to be adolescence was basically from puberty to 17. Mm -hmm. and that's because it was from puberty to when you get married right married now Certain sociologists will say it's basically from puberty to 28, mm-hmm. and some say 35 oh my because goodness. of boomerang parenting. So, oh. Boomerang parenting. Well, and that boomerang, it's a massive thing. Everyone Not comes here. back after college <laughs> and right. lives with mom and dad. Not in my house. Yeah. <laughs> They've gone. They're not coming back. It's other people's kids who boomerang to my house. Yeah. So, right. so part of it is just, it, but, but if, if every time there's been a problem at school, the parent calls a teacher. Mm-hmm. Right? It's amazing. Sometimes college professors will get calls from parents, and we actually say, "Sorry, can't legally talk to you." Right. You know, wow. unless your parent says, or unless your child says. But also, it's not good for the kid right. because they're not a kid anymore. Right. They're twenty well, with years this, old. With this adolescent category, do you think we've lowered mm-hmm. our expectations for for what they're capable of doing and the responsibility that they should be taking on? Oh, I, lo- I love that, that question or comment. I I definitely think that's true. I mean, these. Athanasius wrote on the incarnation when he was what 18 or 19 oh, or 20. I, didn't know that. I mean he was he was maybe 20 something like that. I have yeah. to look it up. It's just and obviously exceptional person mm-hmm. but very common that people were married at 18, you know, working. And so there is something to feeding the problem by not treating them as able thoughtful people. Mm-hmm. And and as professors and parents, I think you have to say do you genuinely value their thoughts? Do you genuinely value their their comments and questions? And we're pretty condescending to young adults. That is, that's very convicting to, to hear yeah. that question. Yeah. Actually, as a mother, I'm thinking about that. I have a junior, so I'm really listening to <laughs> your answers right <laughs> <Wow>. now. <laughs> but that is a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to do something slightly unusual, and that's uh, we actually have a Covenant graduate with us today. <laughs> The mad woman in the attic who started her education at a secular school and then moved to Covenant. And I'd just like to ask her what she found by way of positive contrast between those two experiences. Thank you so much, Carl, for putting me on the spot. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I came from a secular public background, so... I think in my it was my sophomore year of college that I was really struggling with a number of things, and um, I just felt that I was so starved for Christian community. And at the time, I had a friend that went to Covenant College, so I'd visit her, and I just thought, I I think that I've come to this turning point in my faith where I'm, I think I've been living so individually um, apart from the church. I knew I loved church. I knew that I got a lot from Sunday morning, and I was very involved. But I think in general, I was just kind of, it was me and Christ, and then if I was failing or weak in my faith, I just wasn't very open with other people. 
And at that point in my life, my sophomore year of college, I needed people more. And I realized that I didn't just need people. I needed Christian people. I needed the church. So I transferred to Covenant College, and I just flourished. And I loved chapel. I felt so privileged to go to a school where the professors were very godly. I mean, aside from the man sitting next to me. <laughs> Fair enough. There <laughs> is. I to my wife. What? I don't understand. There is always an exception, um, <laughs> but I think that I I found it shocking though that even going to a Christian school, that so many Christians were unappreciative of what they had, and I think in part that I'm all the more grateful for having had that really dry spell those two years of college because it made me all the more thankful to the Lord for a place like Covenant and for the professors who were so invest, like interested in investing yeah. in us. Well, it's interesting you say that because when you're a student in a place like Covenant, you think, chapel, really? It's just yeah. one more. And one of the consistent comments that, to be honest, surprises me, but graduates will write and say, I wish I... Mm-hmm went to chapel without being, or, you know, I oh, went more. Yeah. It's just kind of a fascinating thing. And chapel really is kind of about the community there. And so it's not all preaching. Sometimes it's talking about, you know, we even allowed Carl to speak there a couple <laughs> times. So, <Wow>. you know, <laughs> but, but, Outrageous. but I would say what's fascinating to me is when people say, why are you still there? A lot of it is the students are amazing. So you do have conversations. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, you know, a student will be in class for 15 to 18 hours a week, but it is not, it is, it's true. You can find students at midnight or two in the morning talking about what they heard in class. Mm. That's not advertising. Wow. That's just true. Right. And what, in fact, our current- Professor wouldn't love to Yeah, that. I mean, it's funny because our current president was accepted into a, a bunch of different schools. I can't remember all what they were, but, um, and very prestigious ones. and. Every school he went, after class, it was partying. And he went to Covenant, and then he, he went to the dorm where they were staying, and they were having this debate about potential uh, platonic or uh, influence on the New Testament. Was that true? Was that not? And he thought, they're talking about this for hours rather than how fast can you chug a beer. <laughs> and and that, it's just a different environment where people take learning very seriously. I mean, there's still all the sin there. But, sure. Um, Although the sin is probably not as bad since the mad woman left, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I did find that a lot of students complained about chapel and it being like a requirement. And I thought, nope, it's a joy. Like it really mm-hmm. is. I mean, I'm thinking we're getting to listen to people that most people go to conferences and pay a lot of money to listen to. And we're getting it for yeah. free. And well, not really. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm glad you're believing that. You know, it, it's fascinating, though, because, because where I was going with that is it is the community in the dorms, which is massively important. Mm-hmm. And that fights against kind of this individualistic spirituality where all of a sudden they learn, I can only do this Christian life as part of a people. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is it is really hard when they leave. Because all of a sudden they, you know, if you're single and you graduate from college and you've lived, loved, you get touched and hugged all the time 
and all of a sudden you go and you're not you're not hugged and you're single. Well, this is a massive problem. I do not want to go to any college <laughs> where I am hugged. This is, but this is this is a where the the, the church needs yeah, this because right, all right. of a sudden. But what's beautiful is they now know they're missing something. Right. And they need to find families that will basically adopt them. Yeah, that that's a great point. And we find I, I pastor in a in a university town that has, um, I guess, total uh, close to thirty thousand students in the area, and 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 it's been encouraging to see um, how quickly and enthusiastically the students in, in that, that come to our church respond to the hospitality of the people in yep, our church. Love it. And, and what's, what, what's, what I've heard from so many of the people in church that have been in that church for years, um, having students in their home for a Sunday meal, that kind of thing is once they got over the fear of inviting right. a student over their, their fear was, Oh, they're not going to want to come over to our house. Right, right. We're, we're older. And, it, and, and, the, and there, it was exactly the opposite. Totally. And, and so now you have these families in our church that just got hooked on it, yep. on, on having students into their home and, and found them to respond so enthusiastically to yep. the hospitality. And I would, I, it's not a conversation for now, but the number one example of grace, I think, in the New Testament is hospitality. Yeah. And these students drink it up. Yes. And it goes to the heart of who God is, because we've said before on this program, one of God's attributes in the Old Testament is he's hospitable. Right. He loves the sojourner. He loves the widow. Stranger at the the gate, as Rosaria would put it. And his people are to be like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I would tell people, if if you're in a church in a university community, please, please um, love on those students who are attending your church. Meet them. Invite them to your home for a meal. And you'll love the fellowship. And those students will be blessed. And it's not a scary thing. And they will reinvigorate your faith. They don't just need your faith. You need that. I had that, the opposite experience going to a secular college, and I was you know, living a life of rebellion for a while there. And when I got myself back into a church, you know, I drove myself there, didn't know anybody there. Mm. And I got the hi, how are you? Wearing? Oh, you're coming from the college? That's so nice. Nothing else. Yeah. And it, you know, I just obediently went, but I was still me and God. It wasn't me in, in the covenant community. And so. You know, speaking as someone who's gotten the other experience, I would just say it would have would have been such a blessing to have that while I was in a secular college as well. Yeah. Well, I could talk about this for another couple hours, and I just love the atmosphere we set for this. Don't you guys? It's yeah. like the <laughs> dorm room is, feel. Uh, like we yeah. just you know listen yeah. to I, a professor. I wish, I wish everybody sitting here. I wish everybody listening to this. us could have seen <laughs> Kelly Coppock's face when he walked into this facility. His word was, this is very sketchy. I think that was the phrase he used. And, and my opinion hasn't changed. So you know, I'm still hoping I'm getting out of here. That's See, and that is the kind of people we are, isn't it, guys? Pure yeah. amateurs who scare our guests. Yeah, right. And we are proud of that. So I guess I'll leave us with that. And, and to thank Kelly for being so brave for coming and talking to us and sharing, for having sharing about students, college students and their spirituality. And so thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the podcast and please visit our website at mortificationofspin.org make my final stand it's why they call me
Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a reformed awakening in today's church. College years are pivotal in creating a worldview, and as the saying goes, make your faith your own. In light of this, we're offering a message, Theological Options in Worldview Formations, by Robert Shelton. There at our website, mortificationofspin.org. Head over to find that message. And be sure to join us next week when the team finally talks about... Let's do a bully pulpit today on the issue of Baptists marrying Presbyterians. Oh, that's and kind of how of they should work through that. That's I'm getting a great that idea. deja vu feeling all over again, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> this is the take four on this one. Don't forget to head over to mortificationofspin.org to find articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd and to listen to Theological Options in Worldview Formations. It's kind of hard to be, to be honest here. <laughs> Shall I do the clap? <laughs> don't, don't, don't let... Wait, you don't don't be intimidated. Despite putting me in the low chair. <laughs> <laughs>